0: Chapter Twelve Part Three of How I Found Livingston This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Beth Ann How I Found Livingston Travels, Adventures, and Discoveries in Central Africa, including Four Months' Residence with Dr. Livingston. By Sir Henry M. Stanley. Chapter Twelve, Part Three: Intercourse with Livingstone at Ujiji, Livingstone's Own Story of His Journeys, His Troubles, and Disappointments. From the beginning of eighteen sixty seven, the time of his arrival at Kazembe's, to the middle of March, eighteen sixty nine, the time of his arrival at Ujiji, he was mostly engaged in correcting the errors and misrepresentations of the Portuguese travellers. The Portuguese, in speaking of the River Chambesi, invariably spoke of it as our own Zambezi, that is the Zambezi which flows through the Portuguese possessions of the Mozambique in going from Kazembe from Nyasa, they said, you will cross our own Zambezi." Such positive and reiterated information, given not only orally, but in their books and maps, was naturally confusing. When the doctor perceived that what he saw and what they described were at variance, out of a sincere wish to be correct, and lest he might have been mistaken himself, he started to retravel the ground he had traveled before. Over and over again he traversed the several countries watered by the several rivers, of the complicated water system, like an uneasy spirit. Over and over again he asked the same questions from the different peoples he met, until he was obliged to desist, lest they might say, the man is mad, he has got water on the brain. But his travels and tedious labors in Linda and the adjacent countries have established beyond doubt, first, that the Chambezi is a totally distinct river from the Zambezi of the Portuguese and secondly, that the Chambezi, starting from about latitude 11 degrees south, is no other than the most southerly feeder of the Great Nile, thus giving that famous river a length of over 2,000 miles of direct latitude, making it second to the Mississippi, the longest river in the world. The real and true name of the Zambezi is the Dombazi, when Lacerda and his Portuguese successors coming to Kazembe crossed the Chambezi and heard its name, they very naturally set it down as, Our own Zambezi, and, without further inquiry, sketched it as running in that direction. During his researches in that region, so pregnant in discoveries, Livingston came to a lake lying northeast of Kazembe, which the natives call Limba, from the country of that name which bordered it on the east and south. In tracing the lake north he found it to be none other than the Tanganyika, or the south-eastern extremity of it, which looks, on the doctor's map, very much like an outline of Italy. The latitude at the southern end of this great body of water is about eight degrees forty-two minutes south, which thus gives it a length, from north to south, of three hundred and sixty geographical miles. From the southern extremity of the Tanganyika he crossed Marungu and came in sight of Lake Mero tracing this lake which is about 60 miles in length to its southern head he found a river called the Lupula entering it from that direction following the Lupula south he found it issue from the large lake of Banguilo, which is nearly as large in superficial area as the Tanganyika in exploring for the waters which discharged themselves into the lake, he found that by far the most important of these feeders was the Chambesi, so that he had thus traced the Chambesi from its source to Lake Banguilo, and the issue from its northern head under the name of Lapula, and found it enter Lake Mayro. Again he returned to Kazembes, well satisfied that the river running north through three degrees of latitude could not be the river running south. Under the name of Zambezi, though there might be remarkable resemblance in their names at Kazembes, he found an old white-bearded half-caste named Mohammed bin Salih, who was kept as a kind of prisoner at large by the king because of certain suspicious circumstances attending his advent and stay in the country through Livingstone's influence. Mohammed bin Salih obtained his release. On the road to Ujiji he had bitter cause to regret having exerted himself in the half caste's behalf. He turned out to be a most ungrateful wretch, who poisoned the minds of the doctor's few followers, and ingratiated himself with them by selling the favors of his concubines to them, by which he reduced them to a kind of bondage under him. The doctor was deserted by all but two. Even faithful Susi and Chuma deserted him for the service of Mohammed bin Salih. But they soon repented and returned to their allegiance. From the day he had the vile old man in his company manifold and bitter misfortunes, followed the doctor up to his arrival at Ujiji in March 1869. From the date of his arrival until the end of June 1869 he remained at Ujiji, whence he dated those letters which, though the outside world still doubted his being alive, satisfied the minds of the royal geographical people and his intimate friends that he still existed, and that Musa's tale was the false though ingenious fabrication of a cowardly deserter. It was during this time that the thought occurred to him of selling around lake Tanganyika, but the Arabs and natives were so bent on fleecing him that, had he undertaken it, the remainder of his goods would not have enabled him to explore the central line of drainage, the initial point of which he found far south of Kazembe in about latitude eleven degrees, in the river called Chabizi. In the days when tired Captain Burton was resting in Ujiji, after his march from the coast near Zanzibar, the land to which Livingston, on his departure from Ujiji, bent his steps, was unknown to the Arabs save by vague report. Messrs. Burton and Speke never heard of it, it seems. Speke, who was the geographer of Burton's expedition, heard of a place called Urua, which he placed on his map according to the general direction indicated by the Arabs. But the most enterprising of the Arabs in their search after ivory only touched the frontiers of Rua, as the natives in Livingston call it, for Rua is an immense country with a length of six degrees of latitude and as yet an undefined breadth from east to west. At the end of June, 1869, Livingston quitted Ujiji and crossed over to Oguha on the western shore for his last and greatest series of explorations, the result of which was the further discovery of a lake of considerable magnitude connected with Mero by the large river called the Lualaba, and which was a continuation of the chain of lakes he had previously discovered from the port of oguha he set off in company with a body of traders in an almost direct westerly course for the country of Urua. fifteen days march brought them to bombare the first important ivory depot in Manyema, or at least as the natives pronounce it manuema For nearly six months he was detained at Bombara from ulcers in the feet, which discharged bloody ichor as soon as he set them on the ground. When he recovered he set off in a northerly direction, and after several days came to a broad, lacustrine river, called the Lualaba, flowing northward and westward, and in some places southward, in a most confusing way. The river was from one to three miles broad. By exceeding pertinacity, he contrived to follow its erratic course until he saw the Lualaba enter the narrow, long lake of in about latitude six degrees thirty minutes. Retracing this to the south, he came to the point where he had seen the Lapula enter Lake Mero. One feels quite enthusiastic when listening to Livingstone's descriptions of the beauties of Mero scenery. Pent in on all sides by high mountains clothed to the edges with the rich vegetation of the tropics, the Mayro discharges its superfluous waters through a deep rent in the bosom of the mountains. The impetuous and grand river roars through the chasm with the thunder of a cataract, but soon after leaving its confined and deep bed, it expands into the calm and broad Lu. Stretching over miles of ground. After making great bends west and southwest, and then curving northward, it enters Kamalandu. By the natives it is called the Lualaba, but the doctor, in order to distinguish it from other rivers of the same name, has given it the name of Webb's River, after Mr. Webb, the wealthy proprietor of Newstead Abbey, whom the doctor distinguishes as one of his oldest and most consistent friends. Away to the southwest of Kamalondo is another large lake which discharges its waters by the important river Loki, or Lomami, into the great Lualaba. To this lake, known as Chibungo by the natives, Dr. Livingston is given the name of Lincoln, to be hereafter distinguished on maps and in books as Lake Lincoln, in memory of Abraham Lincoln, our murdered president this was done from the vivid impression produced on his mind by hearing a portion of his inauguration speech read from an english pulpit which related to the causes that induced him to issue his emancipation proclamation by which memorable deed four million of slaves were forever freed to the memory of the man whose labors on behalf of the negro race deserves the commendation of all good men livingston has contributed a monument more durable than brass or stone Entering Webb's River from the south-southwest, a little north of Kamalandu, is a large river called Lufira, but the streams that discharge themselves from the watershed into the Lualaba are so numerous that the doctor's map would not contain them, so he has left all out except the most important. Continuing his way north, tracing the Lualaba through its manifold and crooked curves as far as latitude four degrees south, he came to where he heard of another lake, to the north into which it ran. But here you may come to a dead halt, and read what lies beyond this spot thus." This was a furthermost point, whence he was compelled to return on the weary road to Ujiji, a distance of seven hundred miles. In this brief sketch of Dr. Livingston's wonderful travels, it is to be hoped the most superficial reader, as well as the student of geography, comprehends this grand system of lakes connected together by Webb's River. To assist him, let him glance at the map accompanying this book. He will then have a fair idea of what Dr. Livingston has been doing during these long years, and what additions he has made to the study of African geography. That this river, distinguished under several titles, Flowing from one lake into another in a northerly direction, with all its great crooked bends and sinuosities, is the Nile, the true Nile. The doctor has not the least doubt. For a long time he entertained great skepticism, because of its deep bends and curves west and southwest even, but having traced it from its headwaters, the Chambezi, through seven degrees of latitude that is, from eleven degrees south to latitude four degrees north, he has been compelled to come to the conclusion that it can be no other river than the Nile. He had thought it was the Congo, but has discovered the sources of the Congo to be the Kasai and the Kwango, two rivers which rise on the western side of the Nile watershed, in about the latitude of Banguilo, and he was told of another river called the Lubilish which rose from the north and ran west but the lualaba the doctor thinks cannot be the congo from its great size and body and from its steady and continued flow northward through a broad and extensive valley bounded by the enormous mountains westerly and easterly the altitude of the most northerly point to which the doctor traced the wonderful river was a little in excess of two thousand feet so that though baker makes it out to be two thousand seven hundred feet above the sea yet the bar gazelle through which Petherick's branch of the white nile issues into the nile is but two thousand feet in which case there is a possibility that the lualaba may be none other than Petherick's branch it is well known that trading stations for ivory have been established for about five hundred miles up Petherick's branch we must remember this fact when told that gondokoru in latitude four degrees north is two thousand feet above the sea and latitude four degrees south where the halt was made is only a little over two thousand feet above the sea that the two rivers said to be two thousand feet above the sea separated from each other by eight degrees of latitude are one and the same river may among some men be regarded as a startling statement but we must restrain mere expressions of surprise and take into consideration that this mighty and broad Lualaba is a lacustrine river, broader than the Mississippi, that at intervals the body of water forms extensive lakes, then contracting into a broad river it again forms a lake, and so on, to latitude four degrees, and even beyond this point the doctor hears of a large lake again north. We must wait also until the altitudes of the two rivers, the Lualaba, where the doctor halted. And the southern point on the Bar Gazelle, where Petherick's branch has been, are known with perfect accuracy. Now, for the sake of argument, suppose we give this nameless lake a length of about six degrees of latitude, as it may be the one discovered by Piaggia, the Italian traveller, from which Petherick's branch of the White Nile issues out through reedy marshes, into the Bar Gazai, thence into the White Nile south of Gondokoro. By this method, we can suppose the reverse one, for if the lake extends over so many degrees of latitude, the necessity of explaining the differences of altitude that must naturally exist between two points of a river, eight degrees of latitude apart, would be obviated. Also, Livingstone's instruments for observation and taking altitudes may have been an error, and this is very likely to have been the case subjected as they have been to rough handling during nearly six years of travel. Despite the apparent difficulty of the altitude there is another strong reason for believing Webb's River, or the Lualaba to be the Nile. The watershed of this river, six hundred miles of which Livingston has traveled, is drained from a valley which lies north and south between lofty eastern and western ranges. This valley, or line of drainage, while it does not receive the Kasai and the Kuango receives rivers flowing from a great distance west. For instance, the important tributaries Lufira and Lomami, and large rivers from the east, such as the Lindi and the Luama, and while the most intelligent Portuguese travelers and traders state that the Kasai, the Kuango, and the Lubilish are the headwaters of the Congo River, no one has yet started the supposition that the Grand River flowing north and known by the natives as the Lualaba, is the Congo. This river may be the Congo, or perhaps the Niger. If the Lualaba is only 2,000 feet above the sea, and the Albert Nyanza 2,700 feet, the Lualaba cannot enter that lake. If the Bar Gazelle does not extend by an arm for 8 degrees above Gondokoru, then the Lualaba cannot be the Nile. But it would be premature to dogmatize on the subject. Livingston will clear up the point himself, and if he finds it to be the Congo, will be the first to admit his error. End of Chapter Twelve, Part Three.